Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Alana, Kyle, and Tira, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. Welcome here. Welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. Before we get into our episode, our interview today, I'm going to read a review that we got. So title was so educational. They gave us five stars. Um, Mimi, um, she said, my husband and I have been married for eight months and I'm so, so glad we have this podcast. We discovered this podcast when my mom sent me the update's expositions <laughs> the day we left for our honeymoon. That's amazing. Way to go that is awesome. At first, I thought it was so awkward, but then we started looking through the Instagram and listening <laughs> to the podcast and we've learned so much. Thank you for your heart for helping others learn more about how to be intimate and how we can continue to grow in our sex lives. But especially a big thank you for showing us how God created sex for his glory and he wants us to enjoy it and each other. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Mimi. That's amazing. Okay. And also, in case you're new, <laughs> what we're doing is we're saying a verse to kind of blanket cover um, the episode to come. And so the verse for today is John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to kill and steal and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying full life. Welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. Today we have some really amazing guests and it's going to be really good to just, um, pick their brains and talk about singleness and dating and the, the side of kingdom sexuality that we, we do talk about and we do love, but we don't talk, maybe talk about it as much as, as we should. So it's nice to be able to bring this topic up every now and then to, to support the single people in our lives or you single people who are listening to us. So um, Kate, JJ, welcome here. Can you guys tell us a bit about yourselves and how you guys are passionate about this topic and all that kind of jazz? Yeah. Hey guys. So pumped to be here. What's up fam? <laughs> um, so tell us about, okay. Well, I started the heart of dating uh, five years ago as a single woman. And I really started that because there just weren't a lot of resources for dating well as a Christian single. Yeah. And at the time I didn't really feel equipped to be the person that talked about the subject, but it was something God put on my heart. And he made it very clear, like, if not you, who? Because nobody's doing this and nobody's brave enough to like step up and talk about this topic as a single. And I will guide you and I will protect you and I will help you through this process. And so I started the Heart of Dating podcast. It's been five years now. Actually, this month, it's five years exactly. Oh, yeah. Congrats. Um, thank you. So we did that for four years until JJ came in the picture. Well, technically, I did it for three years, met him behind the scenes. We dated for one year, got engaged, kept all of that private until we were engaged. And when we oh, were wow. engaged, we like just popped it on Instagram to all the people and they were like, Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> um, which is a decision that I had decided I wanted to do. And JJ also was good about that decision. And then, yeah, through that, we had JJ do some podcast episodes with me and it was very clear that people loved our dynamic together. Mm. And so we heard about, really JJ's involvement. And then babe, do you want to tell them how you got involved? I just think it was one of those 
intuitive decisions that God opens up the door for you. I'm sure you guys have had those in your life where oh, yeah. it's just abundantly clear that this is the door that he's open. And so mm. it's our job to respond and step through. Mm, yeah. And so that's what we did. And uh, I quit my job right before we got married. And so we went into wow. newlywed life, uh, as you guys just heard, into a 600 square foot apartment with two dogs <laughs> working together like three feet away. So I can't say I would always recommend that, but, um, that's probably, you know, the, what we felt like was the best decision and it was hard and we're kind of on the other end seven months later and it's been really, really wonderful. It's been uh, challenging and probably the most rewarding season that we've both had yeah. as far as, you know, that sanctification of marriage working together and then just seeing the direct fruit of labor. It's been amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's so cute. That's exciting. I love that for you guys. Um, so let's, let's dive into it. Okay. So for us, we are obviously we're not single, we're not dating and it has been ages (laughs) since we have been in that like realm of life. Um, in that season, we're really far removed from it. So like, what does, what does dating look like these days? Like, how does that work for people? How do they do it? <laughs> well, it is definitely ambiguous. And mm-hmm. when I started this five years ago, it was still ambiguous. I think in ways it's actually gotten worse because of COVID mm-hmm. and right. because of online dating and more social media and just so many different things that are plaguing us from really in-person interactions. Right. And so, uh, you know, it's been really interesting because I think dating today is something that people are, there are more and more singles out there than ever before. And we have some stats on that. We could pull them up, but there are a ton of singles out there. Um, in fact, isn't there more singles than married? Yeah. It's 50, 52% of the adult population in the U S is single. So the majority of adults in the U S for the first time ever in the U S are single. Yeah. So it's like, this is a rising population and yet, especially in the Christian world, where are all the resources for every, uh, for every book on singleness, there are 298 marriage books. Okay. So it's just the reality is that, and that's like, you can look on Amazon and kind of figure that out, but there are not a lot of resources out there when it comes to dating, specifically dating as a Christian. And so, you know, at Heart of Dating, we try to bridge that gap. But I would I would say in terms of like what the dating world looks like right now, there are a lot of people that feel really hesitant to mm-hmm. date online and to meet people in the new ways of meeting people, which is digitally, because yeah. that's what our whole world has moved towards. And so we actually are big fans of meeting people online and digitally, even through social media, we see it happen and see leaders meet that way, incredible Christian couples. However, if you're going to do it that way, you have to know, like it will be disappointing. It will probably over 80% of your experience on apps specifically will not work out at first. Like there's going to be a lot of bad experiences before there's good experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people these days go into online dating thinking, this isn't God's way for me to meet someone, right. you know, like I just need to meet someone in my church in my community. But then 10 years later, they're saying the same thing and they're really disappointed to burn out. And I'm like, Hey, you need to do something different. You need to expand your reach. And I would be honest that online dating 
is a great way to expand your reach if you have the right expectations and mindset about it. Because again, it will be disappointing. So that's just something I would say about like dating currently. What about you, babe? Anything else you'd add? I think uh, the only thing I would add is just there's if this is like a state of the union on dating, <laughs> we just see so much confusion. There's mm -hmm. so much confusion. We have so many different terms in dating. Yes. Like dating, talking, it's been four days, you know. Yeah. And yeah. um and I think that with the digital nature of dating and digital communication, it's super, super easy to just be really disattached that there's a person on the other end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's easier than ever to ghost people. It's easier than yeah. ever to not follow up. It's easier than ever to just not respond. To have what we we call friendationships, which right. is like constant flirty friendship without defining what it, this is. Somebody has feelings. Maybe both has feelings. It's really easy to do that over text, over DMs. Yeah. So to pull it down, I would just say there's more confusion probably than ever before in dating. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So for these Christian couple or well, single, sorry, who are navigating this, what would you guys say are some of the biggest challenges that they're coming across mm. other than like, like you just said, like ghosting and trying to navigate those waters? I would say there's two things that come to mind. JJ touched on it. I'd love to kind of go into it a little more is mm -hmm. there's a lot of confusion around the stages of dating and right the process of dating, because think about it. Dating is not a biblical concept. It came about in the last 100 years. And I think most of us that have dated are grateful for the fact that it's not just arranged marriages and we're not being used to like, you know, for political reasons and all these things, Hey, you're going to get together with my son and this is going to be a great union for our family. Right. So, well, I'm, I think we're all grateful that we have the choice and we can mm -hmm. date in the last hundred years. However, it isn't a biblical concept. So it's very confusing because yeah. there's no blueprint biblically for really how to do dating. There's great principles for how to treat one another and how to do relationships in general. Well, but there's not anything on dating or online dating or all these things. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. so, I think mix that with the fact that every person is basically out there running with their own blueprint. Mm -hmm. And that blueprint looks like what they learned in childhood, what, they, what they've seen in their community, what they learned from their church, what they're now learning from their friends, what resources they're consuming. And so that person is coming to dating situation, meeting somebody else who has a completely different blueprint based yeah. on their background, the way they yeah. have experienced things or teachings they've had. And so you have two people coming with their blueprints thinking mm -hmm. this is the right way to date. Mm -hmm. And they're both right in their own mind. But then they look at the other person like, what in the world? That's how you do it. That's so wrong. But it's like, well, is it wrong? That's the way they learned, yeah. you know? And so I think that's probably the biggest issue. And what we try to come in and do is is not give like a set of guide rules, but basically bring, bring more clarity to bring people on the same page of like, hey, can we look at dating and see it um, as, a, as, a, as a clearer area? And so what we teach people is the stages of dating that go like this, single, dating, relationship, engaged, married. And so it's five different stages. And the reason why we do that because, is because the word dating gets thrown in with, I'm going on a first date 
to I'm in a relationship to uh, I'm exclusive with this person. It, go, it It's like yeah. you're dating in with all of these different things. And if you're like, oh yeah, I've gone on some dates with this guy or I'm dating this guy, people are like, oh, this is your boyfriend? It's like, no, I've just been on two dates. Like right. literally. Yeah, totally. And so, um, so dating, we see the stage of dating as a means to figure out if you want to be in a relationship committed to that person. And then the relationship is to figure out if you want to be engaged to marry that person. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one point of clarification that we try to offer singles where we're like, hey, dating is supposed to be more low pressure. Okay. You're not on a first date figuring yeah. out if you're marrying this person. <laughs> Ideally, also not on a second date or a third date. Okay. (laughs) You are dating to accumulate information through time to make a wise decision on if you want to be in a committed relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. And in that committed relationship, you're gathering more very intentional details to see if you want to be engaged to that person. Right. So that's something I would say. Yeah. But (laughs) it's interesting the way you, even the way you said it, like to me, like growing up in purity culture, it was like, you're dating to find out if you're marrying this person or not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, there's so much pressure to mm-hmm. like, well, you better know right away. Cause if you don't like this, if it's not, you better get out of there. Cause this is the person you got to marry if you're dating them. Like, and do you think, about, is it still ahead. pushed today to, to think like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, Tira, where are you going to say something? Well, about? I was going to say too, that like, I feel like I was raised the same, same like purity culture of like, you wouldn't even consider dating them unless you already had an inkling that they were a good marriage material. Like it, it wasn't yeah. even an option to, to, to try. Yeah. I grew up with this, the exact same thing. And I think one of the worst parts about that attitude is you just simply miss the opportunity to get to know people in your community better. Like I look back over my dating story and I just discarded so many women as, well, I'm not going to marry them. So I didn't even get to bother to know them. Mm. Uh, in a coffee date or a walk or just some some you know some kind of nice very casual informal dating process where you just simply get to know them and i think that comes with a responsibility to steward boundaries well right if you're making out on the third date and you're ghosting them of course when you show up on sunday night for young adults it's going to be awkward right (laughs) And we see so much damage. And you'll get a bad rap in the church. As you should. We see so much damage and fallout from messy dating. I just think it's a total avenue of the enemy to just bring destruction and confusion to healthy community. That's probably the worst part about not dating well is not just what it causes you, but the the greater damage to the community. So we see that and uh, we see so much hopelessness. I think probably the second thing we do best is just consistently providing so much hope and encouragement no matter if you're 24 and you're feel behind on your timeline or you're 38 and you feel behind on your timeline because ultimately what we've seen probably the most is people have made these secret handshakes with god that by 29 i'm gonna have a family and two kids and the second i turn 30 i'm behind right we've all made these secret deals with god and whenever we pass that mark we're in nothing but disappointment right because god didn't come through even though I remained a virgin, even though I was careful mm-hmm. and I was, you know, all these things, God didn't honor his side of the bargain. Wow. Yeah. So based on some of those challenges you just shared, like what are some ways that you have seen people overcome, you know, dating in today's society and to how to do it well? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would really start by saying 
what we try to teach through Heart of Dating is we do a lot of practical teaching like, hey, yes, let's talk about how to set up your online dating profile. Let's talk about how to make your non-negotiables. And we love teaching the practicals, but at the heart of it, what we're even more inclined to do than just teach the practicals, which I do love doing, is to really empower singles where they are currently to live whole, vibrant, thriving, single lives for the kingdom. And out of that will flow uh, confidence. Out of that will flow more resilience to rejection. Out of that will flow better decision-making and who you're choosing to date and who you're actually committing yourself to. And out of that will flow less disappointment because, hey, I know who I am. I live a vibrant, filled life. I don't need another person to fill this life. I already have a full life. And so in order to get there, though, there has to be some wrestling with what JJ was saying, these handshake deals we've done with God saying, God, but I was this age and I thought that I would get my spouse or I was this age and I pictured my life as a mom with four kids already. And so we have to do a lot of grieving. We have to do a lot of yeah. feeling feels. We have to bring those grievances to God and process that out through community. Um, and then there's a lot of healing that also needs to be done in confidence, especially for men and women who did go through purity culture and feel like, very confused about themselves, their bodies, just who they are. Um, I, I really, really, really am so passionate based on my story about empowering singles to really live truly their best single life, irregardless of if they're going to get married or not. And not that you can't hold that desire or something that's important and something you value, but to just not put that desire on a pedestal and make it like your ultimate, like, yeah. Hey, yeah. God wants you to make disciples of nations right now, right here with or without a spouse. Like let's work on that. Let's work on being your full, whole, healthy self. Let's work on doing amazing things for the kingdom in this time. And then Yes, you can still hold that desire of singleness, but if you're looking for or a desire for marriage, sorry, if most people aren't <laughs> desiring real, but you can hold that desire for marriage, but in a way that's like, hey, I'm looking for this, but I am so full here. And there's a difference in that where that's really when we see singles truly transform, it's like, I know who I am. I'm confident in the ways that God is forming me, fashioning me. I know my purpose. I'm going after that. Um, I feel healed to a certain extent. We see those singles thrive the most then entering into dating because they, yeah, they'll still get rejection. They're not just going to meet their person tomorrow, but they're able to pivot and stay confident and not go back into that hole of stuckness and disappointment and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And so I speak from that because my story is like I dated for 10 years back to back with no singleness break from 14 to 24 had to go through a major journey of healing. And then when I did re-enter dating in my late 20s, you know, I really had to look at it and say, is this going to define my life like it used to? Or am I going to actually find a way to date, but also be like full and whole and excited for what God is doing in my life? Mm -hmm. And so before I met JJ, for the last like three, four, five years before I met him, I loved my single life. I loved it. I didn't loathe it. I loved it. And we met and got married when I was 33, but I loved it. And before we got married, there was ways in which I truly was grieving my singleness yeah. because it was such a beautiful season in my life. 
I had done so much. I had so many opportunities. I traveled. I made deep, rich friendships. I had started my purpose and calling. And so I got to meet this amazing man. And I'm so happy we got married because that was a huge desire of my heart. But I, I really challenged singles like, hey, what is what is the legacy you're leaving in your singleness? Like, what is it? Is it just you're going to look back and be like the whole time I was just waiting for marriage and that was my only goal? Or are you going to look back and say, yeah, I, I prioritize dating in a sense, but I really, really sought to live in, in a deep way for Christ. And so I get fired up talking about that. I love it. Well, and I love that. I was just going to say, I love that you said that because I think it sets up your marriage so much better because I think even today you see people who get engaged and married and there's so much emphasis on the engagement and the marriage and they love all the attention that they're getting. And then the wedding Mm -hmm. happens and they go into their first year of marriage and it's like, okay, now what? Like no one's, no one's cares about my wedding anymore because it's over. And now you're living with this person and you don't have that foundation that you just talked about that you had in singleness and you brought into your engagement and then you bring into your marriage. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so happy you emphasize that because that is huge. Mm. Yeah. You know, one thing we say is you'll never be ready for marriage until you're fully satisfied in your singleness. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll never be ready. And the the big thing that we really post people on is if you want to prepare to be a great husband and a great wife, like get fully satisfied in your singleness right? And leave behind a legacy. That's going to be your best setup for a wonderful kingdom centered marriage, Mm -hmm. right? Is taking advantage of your singleness. And, you know, for men specifically, two barriers we see is one, men, men need to encounter failure before they can admit that they need help. You know, three out of every four self-help books are bought by women. Mm -hmm. Three out of every four. Like men, including myself, we need to encounter failure before we can admit that, hey, maybe I'm not as good as dating as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not in as great of shape as I thought I was. Like 90% of the men that come into heart of dating come after heartbreak, mm-hmm. 90% because wow. they just need failure, you know, to yeah. point them to go get help. Mm-hmm. Um And then, you know, from there, I think the other barriers we see is just the lack of community. Um, Yes. Like we've got to get singles around Mm -hmm. other singles, especially in the same season, same age. A single girl who's 35 and who is grieving and hopeless needs to be around that 42-year-old woman who's single and thriving and pursuing Christ. Like nothing is wrong with her. Yeah. We need to get younger singles around older singles and that fountain to climb, right? Yeah. We, we have to yeah. have that, um, that model because I just think it inspires hope and inspires courage. Um, and it just challenges them that, well, they're five years older than me and they have every reason to be more upset and they're not. Yeah. 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 That's a really good, um, point. And I was thinking too, like how then, so I know, like, I know that singles need other singles and that is like huge. And like having that community, how as married people who are listening, um, or, you know, engaged or whatever, like, how can we also come along and support single yeah. people in their journeys? Yeah. I was actually going to interject and say that. So I'm so glad you brought it up because it is so important. I think when we're talking about hopelessness, um, a lot of women and men, are, single men and women are hopeless because they 
don't have a lot of great pictures of healthy Christian marriages and they're not around a lot of those. So you get a lot of people that are like, Hey, I feel a lot of very hopeless, or they may see because I don't think it exists or they see like one or two, but they're like, that's the diamond in the rough. And I'm don't even like, I can't even imagine that that would ever be possible for me because all the guys I'm dating. Right. Mm. And so I think it is really important for married couples and it, it now that we are married we totally get it it's like you want to go on your married couple like date nights or trips and like I totally understand and it's fun and obviously there's like some different language you can use and talking about marital problems and your sex life and all these things like that you're not necessarily going to talk about with like your single friends you're not going to be like hey so this is a struggle we're having in our sex life right now right but <laughs> right. you'll probably bring that up with like a couple to couple over dinner right so I understand there's a time and place for the couple friendships, but I just think it is so important for Marys to actually pursue intentionally having singles around, inviting them into their home, having them over for dinner, making them feel included, modeling what a healthy relationship should look like, and even showing like we're not afraid ever to show like moments of conflict, like obviously not huge moments of conflict, (laughs) but like moments of conflict in front of people. You know, I think it's important we have employees that work for us and obviously we're married. So they see sometimes like little conflicts and they actually love, they're like, I really love to see this model because you see that it's not just picture perfect. You see that it's, there are nuances, there are differences, there are moments of tension and you can see how that can be resolved in healthy ways. And, um, I do think though, you know, married, a lot of people are like, well, my role is to just you know, help this match make all the singles. And I actually think right. it's um, detrimental because a lot of singles are like, hey, dude, like <laughs> you think just because I'm single and that guy's single that we go well together. Like that's not cool. Um, you don't really know what I'm looking for then. Um, and so that probably shouldn't be our posture. Uh, our posture should really be like, hey, what can I do to really bring singles into our life to model what a healthy marriage looks like and really even offered a mentor then, to be honest. Um, So we try to make it a priority to actively, not only through our ministry, but in our personal life, have singles around, invite them over for dinner and game nights and not just do married couple things. Yeah. Okay. Something I would want to touch on is oftentimes I feel like there's this big gap between, you know, I don't know how it works where, you know, you're single and then you're married. And then when you're married, you're supposed to be like a sexual person with these desires and urges and whatever. But then people who are single are like, but wait a second. Like I already have these like sexual feelings in me and you know, I'm a sexual person. Like everyone is right. So like how do singles navigate that season? Well, where you're like navigating being a sexual person and having these desires and dating people and boundaries and all those things to then, lead up to marriage when, you know, like with purity culture, so many of us were told like, no, no, no. Like you stifle everything down and you stuff it and you, you just hold on and grin and bear it and until you're married. And then it's going to be the best sex of your life. Cause you saved yourself to marriage. And so this is your reward. Right. 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 So like how, how do we bridge that gap for single people who are, you know, trying to navigate this without being like, Oh, just wait, like, it'll be great. If you just keep it in your pants until you get there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is a great question and one that we've definitely really like I I wrote a book a few years ago where I wrote a chapter in the the book about this subject about purity culture and how do you really 
come to see that your sexual desire is good and created by God Mm -hmm. and a beautiful, wonderful thing. I think for many people that don't see that, understand that, believe that we need to first get to that point because those, the people that don't see that or see their sexual desire is bad is it likely because of the purity culture teachings or, um, or because simply they have never had any conversations around this. Um, and therefore they're like, this thing must be bad because I'm just told to like, wait till marriage. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like either absence of education or education that looks like purity culture messaging. And so yeah. we have to get to a point of understanding, like our sexual desire is good and created by God. And it is an amazing thing. Specifically, though, God created this desire to then be consummated, whatever word you want to use, in the context and safety of the covenant of marriage, to glorify him, to be this amazing gift that binds you and is a celebration of, honestly, God's love through your relationship. But in order to get there, we really need to do some healing first. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that's kind of like the first thing. And then on the second thing, like, okay, I have these desires, like, like, and what do I do as a single? Like, mm-hmm. is it natural to get turned on? Or am I just like, should I shut that down and be like, yeah. shame myself? I think there's right. a lot of um, shoulding happening, which I call mm-hmm. like, I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Like I'm shooting on myself, you know, and that's what I used to do. Like, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Kate, you shouldn't have that thought. But like, that is honestly just teaching us that, Hey, this desire, that thought is bad. Yeah. And I don't think having um, like your body naturally being turned on is a bad thing. And I don't think we should be programming our bodies or our minds to say, Hey, no, 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 that's bad. Because how are you going to then get married and all of a sudden be like, this thing is now good. Something that you've told yourself for years is bad. Like that doesn't work like that. And you see so many, unfortunately problems in marriage, which I'm sure you guys touch on a lot and sexless marriages or lots of areas of, just shame and fear and anxiety around sex. And so mm-hmm. I think that we have more than just like, um, yeah. I think the question is, what do we do with that desire? If we can yeah. come to hey, this is good. Um, it's a good thing created by God. Now, what do we do when I am mm-hmm. turned on? What do I do? And I, I would say one of the things that I encourage people to do is just ask yourself, Hey, in this moment, like is, especially if you are tempted to take it to the next step of, okay, I'm turned on and what do I do with that? Right. Right. Because being turned on isn't necessarily bad. It's then what you're doing after that. Are you Mm -hmm. acting on whatever that thing is that's coming up in you Mm -hmm. by making out or going extra far with your boyfriend that you, that cross boundaries or by masturbating or looking at porn um, or whatever it is. And so I would say, what are you doing then with that? thing. Um, because that's where, you know, if you're getting turned on, that's pretty a natural desire that or the natural bodily function. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? after, Mm -hmm. Right. And then a question I used to struggle with masturbation and a question I started asking myself in this process of healing was, Hey, when I'm craving, when I'm turned on or wanting to do to masturbate, Mm -hmm. I'm asking myself like, what am I really missing right now in terms of intimacy in my life? Is there something that's lacking in terms of intimacy? Um, 
friendship intimacy? Do I, do I feel really unseen right now? Do I feel really alone right now? Maybe I'm feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. And so starting to get curious with myself instead of shaming, like, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Right. I would get curious with myself and start asking myself questions to really see what's underneath this real desire for intimacy. Cause that's what it is. It's a desire mm-hmm. for intimacy and connection. And so, um, you know, and that can be hard in the moment when you feel really tempted, but I think if you can start moving towards that process of curiosity for yourself and saying, okay, what am I really looking for? You know, for me in the days where I would ask those questions and I didn't masturbate, I'd be like, what's the, what do I need to do this next day to really fill my cup with Mm. connection and with intimacy, um, with people around me or with Mm. God? Yeah, it's so good. I mean, you nailed it. Yeah. I think one thing that I love that you consistently point to is it's a sexual desire, not a need, right? Mm. And part of, you know, what we have to do right. really what we want to do in singleness is debunk as many myths as possible. Yeah. Like the more myths yeah. we can extinguish before walking into marriage, the more we're just setting ourselves up for a successful, healthy sex life within marriage. Yeah. And we just, you know, our problem in the church is that we've just shied away from speaking about sex mm. with singles. We've shoot them out of the room. And if you don't, there's a popular adage in parenting, which is if you don't teach them, culture will. Yes. And when it comes to sex, yeah. guess what? Culture has yeah. taught us everything we need to know about sex. Yeah. Um, and so we have to really, really, and that's where God's been so graceful and uh, just sustaining singles is, you know, essentially repairing our vehicle of our mind. And when it comes to sex, everything we've wired about ourselves. That's why, you know, pornography in a vacuum is so damaging, uh, especially for men, because it just, it wires everything towards instant gratification, gratification of self, and, you know, the variety of sex. It's the total polar opposite of what sex actually is, Mm -hmm. right? That's a great example of, uh, you know, the unwiring and you have to go to God's word and say, what is God say about sex if i just had a complete whiteboard of my brain and i had to rebuild from the foundation my view of sex what does god say mm-hmm. and you start to see, well you know god's not shy about sex we have an entire chapter mm-hmm. or sorry a whole book of the bible dedicated to sex in genesis 2 he introduces sex for the first time when he creates uh, eve and adam dances with jubilation why because he has a naked woman in front of him and he is delighted mm-hmm. So he is not shy around sex. Um, back when he talks about sexual desire, the only times he talks about it in a negative perspective, in the terms of adultery, there's a Greek adage um, or a Greek adifier of uh, greed. You know, he's mm-hmm. associating your sexual desire with a, a degree of greed, meaning it's for you and yourself and you want more of it, it'll never, never satisfy you. That's when he talks about sexual desire in a sinful way. It's when it's with a greedy sense of self-fulfilling and you can't get enough. I think I just want to add one more thing because that brings up something like I think what we're also taught ironically both through purity culture and through hookup culture is that you don't have much self-control. Like if you look at something, if you like purity culture says, if you look at that thing or even talk about sex, you're going to go have sex. (laughs) Um, And Hookup culture says, hey, you feel it? Go make it happen as soon as possible because you can. And so it's like kind of both messaging, ironically, as you're talking, is like is very greedy and also very like 
you have, it's very dehumanizing, right? Mm -hmm. You have no self-control, you're animalistic. And so purity culture says you must stop that animalistic behavior at all costs. And hookup culture says, why do you have to stop it? Just go fulfill it at all costs. And I think that that's really dehumanizing because I think that God created us with an intention, with an ability to have self-control and to be connected to him to say, Hey God, what am I, I have this feeling. I have this desire. What can I do with this? Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, Oh, we're people that always act on every single thing that um, we're tempted with. Because it it reduces both women to just being an object. And the only thing that's valuable about them is their purity. And it reduces men to their core desire is always sex. Men -hmm. just want sex. I just think that reduces both sides mm, to something totally. so simple that um, I think it really goes against the the everything that God created us to be to just simplify us to those two desires mm-hmm. and those two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? So does, how do you? Oh, go I was gonna say, what does like the physical boundaries when you're dating? I'm, I'm sure that's like mm-hmm. a huge one that you guys cover. What what advice do you pass on to singles for that? Well, single dating, I guess. So physical boundaries is something that we get asked a lot. And I love this question. And, you know, I think everyone is looking for a blueprint. The question mm-hmm. everyone asks is how far is too far? Mm-hmm. What's the line? You know, and I'm like, that's, that is the wrong question to be asking. It should be, how can I glorify God through this relationship? Yeah. Um, and through dating, like that should be the question really. And mm-hmm. every person needs to ask that and come to terms with what that looks like for them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's like a very personal thing that I really try to steer away from saying, Hey, yes, you can make out or no, you can't make out or you can do this, but you can't do that. Because I think purity culture already gave us so many do this, don't do that kind of lists. And I do think that there is, that there's a heart posture that God desires for us in dating. But I really, really, really want to emphasize that that person as an individual needs to come to God and wrestle that out with God personally. Because the reason why that's also so important, not only to just be less of a legalistic thing, it's also important because if you wrestle it out with God, if you really know what your boundaries are personally based on your story, your vulnerabilities, your tendencies, and then I can come to say, hey, these are going to be my boundaries because this is going to be the best to set me up for success for the kind of for the way that I want to honor God. Mm-hmm. OK, when I know that personally, then and I have a deep why to it, then in the heat of the moment, I'm more likely to stick to it because it's deeply rooted. It's a true deep conviction that I am aligned with and not just a conviction that is a conviction because somebody told me so. It's like, no, I want to do this to honor God. Like I truly have wrestled this out with God. I truly understand his desire for me and why it is important to wait for marriage. And out of that, And understanding myself and being honest with myself, with my tendencies and my vulnerabilities, which takes a lot of honesty as well, Mm -hmm. then I can come to say, oh, these are my boundaries. I know why they're my boundaries. I feel confident in why they're my boundaries. And I'm going to stick to those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's what we try to encourage singles to do. Like you should know what your boundaries are before dating based on your convictions that you've wrestled with God and based on knowing yourself and your tendencies and where you may fall short. What I, what I see in a lot of singles on that end is they're like, Oh, I'll be okay. Like Mm -hmm. in this setting. And that requires 
a lot of honesty with yourself of just being like, Hey, I'm maybe not as strong as I am, as I like to think in certain scenarios. So I just have to be honest and humble to admit that to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of singles that don't want to do that. And I, I struggle with that for a very long time. And so, you know, I'll just give an example for me. I, my story goes that I used to cross boundaries all the time with men, especially early in my dating life. Um, so I had to get real, like a lot more stringent, um, like in the last few years of dating to say, I wasn't even going to kiss a guy until I was in a relationship with that person. And did I follow that perfectly every time? Not necessarily, but that was my quote unquote new rule for myself. It's like, Hey, I'm not even going to engage in kissing. Um, I'm not talking Mickey. I'm just talking kissing until I know I'm in, I'm going to be in a relationship with that person. And that is not a very big dating norm. You know, people don't really do that, do it that way. Um, so I had to communicate that to guys sometimes awkwardly on dates. If I thought they were going to try and kiss me, I'd be like, Hey, I just want you to know, uh, here's my boundaries with physicality up front. And this is because I know myself and my tendencies, and this is what will lead me to the most success in a relationship. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I exercise that one on YouTube. It was really, really hard for her not to kiss me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just think, um, you know, you, you set yourself up for success or failure, Mm -hmm. you know, like you totally have the power to set yourself up for success. Like, hey, bro, I have a hinge date this Friday night. You know, both you and I have decided that we don't want to make out with girls until, you know, we're in an exclusive relationship. We just check back with me on Sunday or Saturday when I see you. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be huge. That's setting yourself up for success or failure. Like, yeah. here's a great example. I just don't think it's a great idea. 11, 1130, 11.45. Uh, th- you've had three drinks instead of one, you know, like... <laughs> Are you setting yourself up for success or failure, yeah. right? Like set yourself yeah. up for success um, in that sense. And mm-hmm. I also think like just the coming down to the biblical truth of like respecting and honoring one another, like mm-hmm. to what degree are you taking that seriously? Not just yourself and your body, but hers as well. Mm-hmm. And his as well. Like to what degree are you serious about honoring the other person That's and right. respecting them? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. So good. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been amazing. I think just like a really yeah. practical, like you like just let it down really easy. Like this is like the boundaries. These are the things and things that you can like singles can then go and feel prepared. Mm-hmm. And then going into marriage being like, okay, no, like I know who I am. And like, that's, that's huge to have mm-hmm. that certainty and that, like you put it like the fullness of who you are. I think that's yeah. so good. So where can our followers, how can they find you um, on social media, things like that? Yeah. Heartofdating.com, Heart of Dating on Instagram. My Instagram's Kateness and JJ's JJ Tomlin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can find out about all the things you're doing through those avenues, really. And then the Heart of Dating podcast is also on um Everywhere podcasts are pretty much. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so normally to end our episodes, we pray. Would you, one of you guys be comfortable praying to close our episode? You want to do it? Yeah, I totally can. Awesome. Jesus, thank you that you cover us in singleness. You cover us in dating. You cover us in engagement and in marriage. Mm-hmm. You're always there. 
You've always been present and you always will be there. Uh, Father, I pray for the married couples listening to this. Would they just be beacons of hope mm-hmm. and encouragement? Would they show singles what great, godly, kingdom-centered marriages look like? Would they apologize mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. in front of singles? Would they love well in front of singles? Would they example godly humility in the way that they listen and love their spouse in front of singles? May they just be beacons mm. of what true marriage looks like. That's right. True servants, true servant leaders. I pray that their homes would just be safe spaces for singles. Mm-hmm. And Lord, that they would go in with a listening heart, a humble heart to just support their single friends in any way possible. We pray for any singles listening to this, Father. I pray that you would just let them know that you haven't forgotten about them. Mm. And you didn't forget about that deal or that handshake that they might have made, but or that their only responsibility is just to surrender to your will and Mm. your timeline and your story that you prepared before time even began. Mm-hmm. That's a better story that we could ever dream of. It's a better story that we could ever inspect. So we just release control. We surrender to you and your will. And we just say, God, your unexpected plan is better than my expected plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was amazing. Yeah. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like our content, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends too. Thanks so much for journeying with us today as we tackled the hard questions and dive deep into godly intimacy. Make sure you follow us on Instagram to see more of our content and check the show notes for any links we might've mentioned in today's episode. We're so grateful to be on this journey with you and we can't wait to see you in the next episode.